Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we've compiled a special message for you today from Pastor Ralph Douglas West, recorded at the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. Be encouraged. Look with me this morning to some of the forgotten passages of the New Testament that should be tucked away in our own time of meditation and devotion to hear what Jesus said about himself as it directly relates to your relationship to God and to Jesus Christ. Look with me now in chapter 16. For this text is tailored to teach us that God can reveal himself to you without you knowing what he does. You see, to appreciate these verses that we read in chapter 16, verses 21 following, you have to look backwards. What happens in verse 21 following is in the shadow of a confession that Peter has recently made in Caesarea Philippi. East of Syria, west of Lebanon, that little partial of ground. It was a long retreat trip Jesus took his 12 disciples on. He's heading far north. And as they make their arrival up that 1,700 foot ascent, they come to a little place north of the Galilee and it's called Caesarea Philippi. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Caesarea Philippi. It's a graveyard for dead gods. God of Pan would be there and other dead deities, but it was a beautiful, lively place filled with carved out niches where little idols would be propped up in them and people could go and worship their gods. It is in this terra firma that Jesus escorts his disciples on this long retreat in this beautiful, beautiful, pristine environment. You can hear the gurgling waters run beneath their feet and little streams running aside the little scene where they are. And Jesus asks the question, who do people say that I am? And, and Jesus was waiting on a reply and everybody's quiet except for Simon Peter. Now the disciples really don't want to tell Jesus what people are saying about him. I mean, they're saying that he's illegitimate. He was born to a scandalous mama. His daddy was a Roman soldier. And so they didn't want to say that to Jesus. And so they mumble out something. Well, yeah. And Jesus wanted to know, I mean, what are people saying about me? And the best they could muster is that, well, some are saying that you do have an honorable possible pedigree because some are saying you're like John the Baptist or Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, that's a good theologically academic response to the query that I've posed to you. Now, I want to know now, who do you say that I am? That's the question on the lips of our Lord, but more than that, it's the question on the lips of almost everybody you know, isn't it? People want to know who Jesus Christ is. 
Atheists want to know it in their publications. Agnostics want to know it in their propagations. The LGBTQ is seeking out it, how to live faithfully in the world. People who are going through divorces and scandal, they're trying to figure it out. People are just saying, you know, who is Jesus? And if he's who he claims that he is, does he have room and space for me? And the best that people have to do to try to answer that is to try to answer that question as one Midwestern preacher wrote a book preaching after God. He had lost faith, you see, in God. But he still believed that the gospel was good, just not with Jesus Christ. And so he was trying to reconcile as as a new movie documentary coming out of multiple preachers that have lost their faith and they want to live right before and know God, but they just want to live right, whatever that looks like. And so they're trying to say, how do you have church without God? But, but now let's not be overly critical. Because our religious response, our spiritual reflex is to decry damnation on them. But many of us are practical atheists ourselves. We believe in God. We shout over Jesus. We say we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yet when God makes a claim on our life, we have the nerve to tell him what we are not going to do for him. Preach Pastor West. So let's not be too judgmental when we say how much we love God. It's almost, as one of my old staff members used to say, I, I want to be a Christian, I want to be saved, I just don't want to live right. Let's not belittle him either because that too is some of us. It translates, Lord, I need you when I need you. But when I don't need you, stay up in the heavens and leave me alone. That's why Jesus in the announcement of his prediction said to Peter, after Peter made this great statement, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that is the most beautiful confession in the world. There's no other confession that compares to that. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, nickname Rock. You didn't come up with that answer. God revealed to you who I am. The only problem is you don't know really why I have come. And the indictment on Christianity is to hang out with the holy and not know what his mission is. He's my rock. My rock, my sword, my shield. He's my wheel. In the middle of a wheel. I know you'll never Never let we know him, but many times we don't know what he's doing. And what he's doing is going to Calvary so that he can redeem messed up people like you and me. And that's 
everybody. And Peter says, Lord, you can't do that. You're the son of God. Uh, you can't check out on no cross. And Jesus is saying, Pete, if I don't get to Calvary, Ralph West won't have anything to say about me on Sunday morning. That's why he's come, and that's what his mission is. Know him, but also know why he's come. Let me segue to another announcement, but many times we miss out on the latter part of the statement that he can reveal himself, but we don't know many times it because, and it always starts with those of us who preach. In our effort not to offend you, we've preached to you a cheap grace. We've preached forgiveness without repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without the cross, which is no grace at all. The grace of God meets us where we are, confronts us, and then lifts us to where we want to be. He puts a crown of righteousness above our head and said, Ralph West, grow up and wear that above. That's what grace is. Grace is not your license to live any way you want to live and do whatever you want to do. Grace is you live in the confinement of my liberation. The more restricted you are, the freer you become. Preach, Pastor West. I have to move on now. That's, that, that's one announcement. In light of the great confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says to us, does he not, that God can reveal himself to you. Even you don't know what he does. Go to the second confession now in chapter 17. At verse 22, and you'll notice what it follows and what it precedes. And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man, that's what you're underlying, the son of man is going to be delivered. That may be another word that you want to underline if you're taking notes, into the hands of men. And they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved when they saw this. This is the second prediction. This is after that great moment of transfiguration where Jesus stands atop of a mountain and he's a living light show. And he appears in his resplendent glory and the corona of God is around his head. And then the big titans of the Old Testament make a guest appearance. Moses and Elijah standing to the left and right of Jesus because they have so much in common. These Old Testament titans, these Olympians stand with our Lord, both of them. Yeah, they had strange beginnings. Moses is the only one that's ordinary. Elijah just shows up. 
Jesus through virgin birth. They'll spend 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. Don't get bored now. This will help you today. Because I know if I'm not telling you how to find a mate and lose weight and grow up, that's what everybody's running after now. I'm trying to give you something that's going to keep you when your mama died and when your daddy died. Your children get in trouble. I'm trying to give you something that's going to give you strength for the journey. And so they're standing with him now. And, and God, they have three miraculous ends. God will bury Moses. Elijah will just take off in a chariot and Jesus will be crucified. They're whispering in his ear. And this is what they're telling him in his ear. They're telling him about the exodus. There's a new exodus that's going to take place. And in this exodus, they're going to get out of here. Israel has already come through one exodus. Now there's going to be another exodus. Transfiguration. And then heaven splits open. And for the second time we hear Jesus receiving these words from God. This is my beloved son. He said it in Matthew 3 at his baptism in the first person. He said, in whom I am well pleased. But now in chapter 17, Jesus said, hears those words from the lips of his father. But this time it is God speaking in third person. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And now that word reminds us, and this is the takeaway. Listen to the father when he tells you to listen to him. There are other voices that you can listen to. But when God speaks, all other voices are rendered inaudible. There is Moses and there is Elijah and there's a time to listen to Moses and Elijah. But when God speaks, even Moses and Elijah got to get quiet. When God speaks, all voices that vie and compete for the attention of your allegiance has to be quiet. When God speaks, he said, this is who you need to be listening to. My beloved son, hear him. He got something to tell you now. Well, Peter wanted to stay at church all day. And I don't blame him when church is this good. You want to stay a little longer. You may have felt like me. You looked at the clock and said, Whoo, I'm glad we stand a little longer today because I wanted to take in all of what was taking place. I got a full week. I got demands in front of me. I need some church. I need something that's going to keep me till I get here next Sunday. And, 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 here, and here now, Jesus says to Peter, we can't stay here. Uh, in churches, life's no parking place. Uh, we got to go back into the world. We got to go back to work. We got to take Jesus into the marketplace. We got to be responsible citizens politically and socially. You got to go vote. You got to go make a choice. You got to be involved in the world. You can't just sit up here and wait for God to come down and fix everything for you. He says, I've already given you everything that you need. Now take what I've given to you and go make a difference in the world. Straighten up your neighborhood. Clean up your community. Shut down crack houses, drug addicted parlors. You get rid of all of that. I've given you the power to do it. Oh, and so now they got to go into the world. There's a boy that's sick and you see the opposite and the disciples are powerless against it. 
can't do nothing about it. And Jesus then says, this is a wicked, faithless, perverse generation. And now he picks up and says, he gathers his disciples to himself. And he says, I want to pick up on what my father said when I was in transfiguration. He said, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of those that's going to kill him. And so here he's saying, now, you can't have Christianity without the cross. Now, now I know today that that's a big thing. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, and now don't get mad at me, but sometimes I say, you know what, Lord, I'm tired of always losing. So I'm going to get up and I'm just going to tweak the gospel because I know I got the vocabulary and the charisma. I'm going to just tweak it a little bit and I'm going to tell the truth. I just ain't going to tell all the truth. So, so that people can be happier when they come to church. And right when I would do it, the Holy Ghost reminds me that he's the one that holds the church in his hand. That is, Wes, it ain't your responsibility to get nobody saved. It's your responsibility to tell the truth of who I am and lead the rest up to me. I said, thank you, Jesus. So we want a crossless Christianity. One of my friends, he's very popular. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, in his church, he says, we don't sing them songs. Anything with suffering in it, anything with bleeding and dying in it, we don't sing it. He said, because I'm teaching my people that God has called them to be prosperous and wealthy and all that. I said, that's good. That's good. I said, but if you ask the people with not even considering Christianity. You just ask a hard working man or woman who made it, they probably gonna tell you they had as many downs as they had ups. You are robbing people of the gospel if you don't tell them that in the gospel there is some bleeding, there is some suffering, there is some dying, there is some crying. That's what Jesus said. Son of man is going to be offered up. He's going to be offered up and delivered into their hands. And he shall be crucified. This brought my attention back to one line of Atticus in killing, To Kill the Mockingbird. Atticus gets word that Tom Robbins has been arrested for the rape of a white girl. And Atticus, who serves really as the moral compass and teaches the importance of why children must have a moral education. And how if we don't allow this to happen, they can end up like Jim at the end of the story, disillusioned by life. And Atticus said it. As Scott said, she learned after it was over, my daddy said it so that I could hear it. Well, they'll probably, you know, take him to trial but he'll be convicted, he won't win. This was the prediction that was made in the book. I said, Harper Lee is on to something. Jesus made a prediction. The son of man, what a term, the son of man, man and God, tired, but he can give rest. Man and God, he can get hungry, but he's the living bread. 
man and God. He gets thirsty, but he's the living water. Man and God will be delivered. That is, God will subject himself to the hands of his own creation to allow creation to fulfill his ultimate redemptive role. That is, I'm going to hang on the cross. I'm going to be buried in the grave. But when God raised me up, I'm getting up with the power that you would need. I was getting too happy. Let me close now. One last prediction. This is in chapter 20. And in chapter 20, the text is tailored to tell us that he'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Let me say it one more time. He'll tell you what you need and what you need when you need it. Let me say it one more time. God for you who've been rushing him to hurry up and do what he's doing, but you don't know it because many times he's working behind the scenes. And the Lord says, I'll show you what I'm doing when I show you. That's what revelation is. Revelation ain't God showing you everything at one time. Revelation is God shows you a little and a little more and a little more. As you journey alone, have you ever driven at night? You got these big LED lights on these cars. You're driving from the church home. I can tell you what you can't do. Though you got them big pretty lights on the parking lot, you can't see your street while you're on the parking lot. But the more you drive down the road, making turns, getting to your neighborhood, a little more and a little more and a little more is revealed. That's why you got to be patient with young believers. Some of y'all been walking with Jesus 40 years and 30 years and 20 years and 10 years and you getting impatient with somebody who just started walking with God in the last six months. Uh, 20 years ago, you don't know. You didn't know what you know right now. 40 years ago, you didn't have the wisdom that you have right now. Wisdom comes through revelation. You got to wait on God preach Pastor West. Y'all making me work like you ain't never heard nothing I'm talking about. You have to wait on God. Wait for God to reveal it and I'm done and that's what he does here. Jesus pulls his disciples over to himself in verse 17 and I'm done. But now he goes further into the explanation that he did in chapter 16 and 17. He's naming people now. And in the naming of it, he says what they're going to do. They're going to mock me. Now, the reason why many of us don't get happy, and I've been telling y'all, we shout all at the wrong time. Man, you start talking about relationships, getting a car, getting a job, people just running around the building, and you sit there and say, don't they know cars depreciate? Salvation increases in value. And, 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 and here... The Lord here is revealing. And so if you really want your faith to work, 
you got to add one line when you read the scripture. This is your assignment from now on until you get to glory. It will change the way you read the Bible. So when you come to this season, he's going to be mocked. Add these words, for me. Mockery is they're not just going to laugh and jeer at him, but they're going to push him and slap him and talk about him for me. Uh, they're they're, they're going to pull his beard and slap his face for me. Do you know the power that it has to take to be the creator of the universe to allow your own creation to malign you for me? Do you know what it takes for the Lord Jesus Christ to stand there and take that in the flesh when all he had to do was speak and a thousand angels would come to his defense for me. Do you know what it takes for him to back up and restrain and say, I'm going to let you do what you're doing because it's a part of my redemptive plan for me. The only way that I can save Ralph West is that you got to mock me then. You got to scourge me. You got to whip me in my back. Open my back up to the elements. Let that cold air brush across my back and my blood congeal and in the pain of it for me. He's going to die and suffer for me. He, he's going to hurt and be in pain for me. And then they're going to crucify him. They're going to drive nails in his hand. Drive nails in his feet for me. They're going to put a crown on his head for me. He's going to be there and they're going to talk about him for me. He stays there and lives long enough to hold a revival at Calvary. Today you'll be with me in paradise for me. It's all to remind me that Ralph West, I did it for you. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information about the church without walls, visit us at churchwithoutwalls.org. To find more great resources and additional messages from Pastor West Ministries, visit ralphdouglaswest.com. Be encouraged.